Hello, and welcome to RRI Explained, a RESPIOS podcast. It is the aim of the RESPIOS project to embed responsible research and innovation, or RRI, into four universities across Europe in the hope of improving the interconnectivity between science research and society, with a particular focus on the biosciences. But what is RRI exactly? Well, hopefully we can find out together. Today we are joined by Carla Peruca Iantelli from the Step Change Project as we talk about the benefits of citizen science and how citizen science can be used not just to engage with citizens, but to engage with stakeholders. Thank you for joining us today, Carla. Thank you, Christopher, for having me. It's a real pleasure. So you're one of the partners that I was working on the Step Change project, which is coming up to just over a year since it started. I was just wondering if you could tell our audience a little bit of an introduction of Step Change and the key aims of the project. Yes, absolutely. Well, Step Change is a Horizon 2020 project, which is currently implementing five citizen science initiatives in the fields of health, energy, and environment. The initiatives tackle the issues of wildlife conservation in Slovenia, on the other hand, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in the UK, energy communities in Germany, infectious disease outbreak preparedness in Italy, and finally, upgrade renewable energy in agriculture in Uganda. So the project started last year and on the expertise of 11 partners from seven European countries and Uganda. And what is relevant is that step change builds on the assumption that citizen science can play an even broader societal and scientific role that is generally acknowledged. The overall objective of the project is to explore the potential of citizen science and to formulate recommendations and and instruments for better cementing this approach within research and innovation institutions, as well as changing researchers and society's mindset on its value. So it's a pretty broad set of uh, research areas that the Step Change Project is approaching. Can you... Talk a bit about kind of the benefits that kind of having these broad area of expertise has and why including kind of a diverse group of stakeholders is beneficial when it comes to citizen-led research and in general RRI, but also, well, within the framework of citizen science. Mm-hmm. Indeed, citizen-led research can, can be understood as a strategy to, to increase the quality and interactions between science and society, and it aims to achieve a better alignment of research and innovation with the culture, needs, challenges, and expectations of our societies. To me, it's a powerful tool uh, to work at the local level with communities and tackle the most prevalent challenges faced by European regions. At a research level, on the other hand, this kind of projects um, has the potential to activate processes that can can have an impact in several dimensions of the responsible research and innovation framework. For instance, we have public engagement together with the quadruple leagues of stakeholders. On the other hand, we have open access making science accessible, free of charge, and without restrictions. To me, it's also important um, to shift 
our traditional way of doing science into an open, fairer, and inclusive one. On the other hand, we have ethics, which is connected with the 10 principles of citizen science developed by EXA, the European Citizen Science Association. We also have science education that boosts a formal and informal education through training and participation in science, increasing scientific literacy of the population and critical thinking, and of course, fostering STEM careers. On the other hand as well, we have the gender dimension, which is promoting gender balance in research and innovation and inclusion of sex and gender aspects in all participatory activities of any project. And last but not least, we have governance, which is fostering the connection with decision makers for the official uptake of citizens generated data and to inform evidence-based policies. So to me, those kind of projects generally, um, an ideal means to democratize science, build trust in science, and leverage the best societal intelligence uh, to conduct excellent research and innovation. And, but someone can, can ask, but how to put this into practice? Mm, responsible research and innovation means um, to me, among other things, to include all parties involved to develop responsible innovation regarding the society as a whole. And to consider something responsible has to be responsible with and for everybody. And as directly would do every person think and stop assuming on behalf of other stakeholders. Something that if you may ask me happens a lot, especially with uh, communities that we are not part of. And it's a way to, to encourage and trust that everyone is able to speak for themselves. And well, when it comes to stakeholder engagement, it's key to ensure the diversity of the group. And there are uncountable benefits um, intertwined with the agency of diverse groups that are not limited to citizen science. Um, I do believe inclusive groups tend to be more productive and they perform better, therefore. Diverse stakeholders can add much value and develop new approaches despite having different perspectives, different knowledges. They all contribute to the same goals in your project. And citizens participating in science, um, we need to recognize that have been traditionally part of the upper literacy groups. And if we want to break that down and be really diverse, we should be able to recognize the stakeholders in each specific location. The key to be inclusive and involve disadvantaged populations is to select research questions that matter to them. It's important to consider how to motivate and sustain interest in the projects. And for doing that, continuous feedback is, is paramount for me. Also, you can use the, the results of your project, for instance, as a way to engage with wider civil society that can eventually become active participants um, in your project. Also, your results can also be taken by society or other stakeholder groups for advocacy purposes. And well, in relation to participation, it's also important to mention that you have many levels from occasional contributions to deep engagement in all phases of the research or just in a particular one. Different people with different life experiences, responsibilities and interests can contribute and add value to different phases 
of your projects. And projects and, and your teams, we need to be flexible. I mean, people's lives change even from one day to another. So mm, flexibility is a key. And not all target groups as well may be involved at the same level. So the desired level of participation will mainly depend on the project objectives, but will be strongly limited by the human resources capabilities and, of course, budget of the research team. So that's really interesting. Uh, you talk about kind of how citizen engagement uh, is important, obviously, for bridging gaps between uh, researchers and society, but also engaging with stakeholders. But most, a lot of the time when people think of citizen science, it's engaging with society, getting them involved with either experimental design or data collection. But a lot less is talked about how citizen science can be used to engage other societal actors and other stakeholders. So I was just wondering how, uh, if you could talk a little bit more about how citizen science as an approach can better engage with these other stakeholders, perhaps. Mm, true. True. Um, well, I think citizen science ecosystem has already identified the benefits of this field in policy and business sectors and has highlighted the, them to policymakers at local, regional, national, European, and even international levels. And um, it's worth mentioning that some EU member states have already developed citizen science strategies to support national practices since citizen science is also a key element to tackle local and regional challenges. But nonetheless, the overall benefits of citizen science remain largely unknown for most policymakers and the business sector at all levels. Perhaps um, more programs, training, capacity building, or networking events showcasing real-life projects with high impact are needed to build trust among scientists societies, the industrial sector, and the scientific community to see the whole potential. Making a difference to science and producing an impact at the economic local level, uh, level sorry, are key motivations for policymakers and, and citizens, um, especially if policymakers want to, to materialize, uh, to make it real, no? the benefits of citizen science, including economic impact, social cohesion, and of course, democratization of policy decisions. And then citizen science must, must be taken more seriously and work together to, to promote common goals. And in doing that, setting up collaborations among citizens, policymakers, and the private sector will require a certain level of trust. And for instance, where this level of trust between mostly society and policymakers does not exist or is low, the private sector can play a key role. Their involvement can also contribute to the sustainability, which is a really important element of the citizen science projects by creating new business models that further support their activities. Um, of course, nobody said it was easy to implement a citizen science project. Um, indeed, citizen science is a challenging endeavor, and it poses difficulties within all phases of its implementation, from, let's say, project design to stakeholder engagement, data collection and analysis, as well as its outcomes and, and results, and of course, sustainability, as we mentioned before. 
for instance, engaging citizens poses a series of big challenges such as, I don't know, how do we engage citizens, including all social realities um, and therefore how can we be more inclusive? Uh, which key motivation mechanisms can we use to ensure citizens will gather data um, in the data collection process? Or how ethical is to use the rewarding mechanisms to engage citizen scientists? And, and last but not least, how do we ensure the data collected is not biased? And all these questions, I think it's because citizen science is still an innovative field um, of knowledge that needs further recognition within society, policymakers, and the business sector. Um, and of course, the traditional scientific community as well. Um, besides uh, those projects, it needs to be tailor-made and it grows step by step as you go along its implementation. So it's, for, to me, it's an extra challenge. Uh, for instance, when mapping the stakeholders, you can find a new key actor which can enrich and enlarge your research objectives and outcomes. And thus, you may need new engagement strategies and mechanisms to be set in place. And all these changes also needs to be taken into account and be more flexible. So it seems that with citizen science, kind of the boots on the ground kind of getting citizens involved and bridging that gap kind of builds that trust that you mentioned before within general public and general society and researchers. But I suppose the engagement with other stakeholders and industrial leads as part of this quadruple helix kind of principles is a good way of cementing these ideals and the results from the citizen science projects into policy and into, I don't know, providing the scaffolding for longer term and more sustainable kind of outcomes, I suppose. Do you think that's sort of correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. That's precisely one of the most relevant aspects to me of citizen science, um, because you need to have a clear and real picture of the field that you are working on. Of course, it depends on your study, but in the designing stage of the research, you will find many things that it's almost impossible for you to know beforehand. And that's why citizen science works um, well, um, because it's an interdisciplinary welcoming space. Um, I think that's the beauty of citizen science, to stop assuming that you know things that you don't have to know. And really, there is no way for you to know. So we need to locate, collaborate, and engage with... Uh, it's important to build the, the research stages with those who can paint, you know, the, the, let's say, the real picture and layer all the knowledge and interest together. If not, the work um, won't have as much as power and accuracy as it could do. Can you describe exactly how Science for Change is involved with step change and how you're facilitating these on these citizen science initiatives? We, we are horizontal partners. Um, science for Change is leading the work, well, it's led the work uh, on the scoping process, focusing notably on ensuring citizen scientists recruitment for each citizen science initiative, um, as well as establishing institutional arrangements and other accomplishments for, for their implementation. So to increase the sustainability of the initiative since the very beginning. 
And among other things, we have developed some tools useful for, for initiatives. For instance, a protocol for creating citizen science, some spreadsheets to track the involvement of different stakeholders, um, which was particularly useful to plan beforehand some strategies to overcome if any stakeholder was reluctant to participate, and also some checklists for legal and ethical issues. Ah, so you provide quite a lot of the scaffolding for other delivery partners within StepChange to help exactly. them conduct. Yeah, well, that's so, really interesting. Yeah, some materials to facilitate the, the involvement of citizens and other stakeholders, as well as some trainings. Yeah. So you've talked uh, in communications we've had before uh, this uh, actual interview. You talk about extreme citizen science. Uh, what exactly is extreme citizen science? It sounds <laughs> very exciting. I'm not sure about the exact um, definition of extreme citizen science. Um, would I would I know it's like because in the face of a large and complex societal challenges, it's important to to combine uh, knowledge and energies of various kinds and sources and stakeholders. And so the extreme citizen science, um, it's it's also it's a framework and a tool that includes um, the four leaks, um, which is which are citizens, uh, policymakers, industries, and the academia. Also, what gives extreme citizen science um, is that it helps you to develop um, a citizen science project um, with all those stakeholders in all the phases of the projects. You can work by reformulating your research question to data collection, which is the most typical um, phase that you involve citizens, but as well in your dissemination and your communication. And also it's important to, to listen and to actively hear the stakeholders involved in your project. There are many examples in citizen science that, that the team, that the research team started with an idea and then citizens get really excited and motivated to, to work even farther. So we're the main citizens proposing other new ideas to the research team. And, and at the end it went well because um, the, re the project expanded, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, the beauty of extreme citizen science. No, it sounds it sounds very exciting. Like just sort of adding extreme to anything, just sort of adds a je ne sais quoi to it, I suppose. <laughs> also, in a context, um, Moodle learning process and citizen science is is crucial as uh, as a response to need to you know capitalize on existing um, knowledge. Um, and if we want to really address those complex problems that we we face nowadays, a local but even a global scale we need to other ways of doing science so you've mentioned that step change it's a relatively new project you're coming up to just about a year of the well the first year of the project uh what has been the main kind of what have you been doing within the first year and what are the next steps and has there been many challenges or opportunities that's i don't know uh you might have been surprised about or I don't know stuff to I don't know stuff that you're kind of proud to talk about. Um, 
The first year it was uh, pretty difficult um, due to this pandemic and we couldn't meet in person yet. Um, that makes things more difficult. However, we based the ground um, to, to support the citizen science experiences um, inside Step Change. And now we are, they are focusing more on the recruitment of citizen science, which they are pretty successful, I should mm -hmm. say. And, and on the other hand, the horizontal partners, the ones that we are supporting the initiatives, um, we are working on, um, on creating Moodle learning spaces. Um, I think Moodle responsiveness of science and uh, to society, um, it's, it's relevant as well as to, to boost, you know, the scientific investigations um, in, in those totally different fields. But at the end, if you create those spaces, you will see that there are a lot of tools and a lot of methodologies that um, can be used horizontally, transversely. And that's important for, for citizen science initiatives. You talk, you've spoken a little bit about the Moodle learning space. Is this going to be like an online toolkit for, uh, is this for your partners to use and as resources for the project? Or is this going to be widely available for other citizen science initiatives in the future as part of your sustainability? Um, we are going to use the EU Citizen Science Platform. Um, I think this is an amazing tool that we have, which is open, accessible, and really easy to use for, for every, everyone. You don't, you don't need to be a researcher to use a tool. And we are also trying to collaborate with the platform. So we are going to create um, a space in the forum that is already there. And based on the each specific thematic on step change. So in there, we're gonna pose some, some questions or some, some challenges that we are currently facing and other projects may intervene, may, may help us. And the idea is to create a space, a quick also, a quick space that you can respond easily without expecting a private message. Um, in order to, to tackle common challenges that each citizen science project can have. And the, the main tool that we are going to use is the use citizen science, as I told you. I think that's the tool that also we need to, to boost. No, it sounds, it sounds very interesting. And I like the idea of this transdisciplinary uh, sort of approach to it where you are working with other citizen science projects to try and make it a more well-rounded tool just of course obviously uh, step change obviously has a lot of uh, scope for lots of different sorts of citizen science projects obviously with healthcare and with uh, conservation and and energy of course but yeah just having um having this kind of collaborative sort of framework for adding content to the platform seems like a really fruitful way of having a toolkit that is more useful for more people. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's, I think it's a matter of not reinventing the wheel again and again. Um, citizen science can significantly contribute to a proper exchange of information. That's something that we can, we can do in the EU Citizen Science platform. To, to solve some specific problems, but also more broader, broader problems that we all face in those um, projects. 
um, we can pr also provide capacity and quality of our findings and, and responses. So how far through the development of the toolkits are you at the moment? Do you have a sort of idea of a launch date for that or is that still in the, uh, in the pipeline somewhere? We are still working on that because we want to create um, a forum. I mean, the EU Citizens platform is already there. The forum is already created and it's um, currently being done by the European Citizen Science Association, which is doing an amazing work in that sense. Um, but specifically, we're working on that Moodle space um, right now. So it's, it's not ready yet. It will be ready soon that oh. of course <laughs> oh very exciting and yeah we'll uh, let us know and we'll share uh, yeah I was just wondering if there's anything else you wanted to add about the step change project uh anything you want to mention about the initiatives or the work of any of our partners or yeah if there's anything else you wanted to add this is stay tuned because good news are coming um and we will be in touch of course just follow us on on our social media. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll add some plugs to that. Uh, to be honest, that's my last question. So unless again, you've kind of mentioned a little bit that uh, yeah, some big news is coming up, which you're keeping your cards close to your chest a little bit. But uh, yeah, unless there's anything else you feel, unless you think that we've missed anything, or if there's anything else you wanted to. I, I just wanted to say that thank you for having me here. It was um, a really good discussion and we need also more spaces as this one in exchanging some, some perspectives and, and experiences as well. So thank you for, for that. Well, no, thank you for joining us. I think originally the idea of this podcast was to, I don't know, explain some of the aspects of RRI to more general publics, but now it's become a bit more of a platform for other projects just to sort of reach out and talk about the work they're doing. And that's amazing. Yeah. yeah that's so, amazing. yeah. yeah uh, no, again, thank you very much for joining us, Carla. The RESBIOS project is funded by the EU with the grant number 872146. To learn more about the RESBIOS project and the other pillars of RRI, please go to resbios.eu. Thank you for joining us. See you next time.